I'm Stephen Price. Hello, I'm Cara Githens. This is The Innkeepers, a podcast by Sanctuary Inn. At Sanctuary Inn, we believe we are called to equip, refresh, and restore God's global workers. On this podcast, we will be interviewing guests who have much to teach us about the many facets of missionary care. Let's learn together and be encouraged to press on in the work God has given each one of us to do. Hi, this is Steve, and I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of the Innkeepers podcast. Hello, this is Kara, and we're so glad you're here. Today, we have the opportunity to interview Dr. Karen Fancher. Karen's on staff at Multnomah University. I first met Karen when she was working, I think, on her doctoral studies, and then um, a couple years ago, she had the opportunity to bring a retreat um, group, a student group, up to Sanctuary Inn, and got to know her a little bit better, get a little better uh, acquainted with her. Yeah, we're so excited that uh, Dr. Karen Fancher has agreed to be with us on the podcast today. She brings an amazing perspective. Um, She is a professor at Multnomah, as Steve said, and she has taught as a bilingual teacher, a counselor. She's been a dean of students at Multnomah University and a professor She's also engaged with churches in South Sudan, seeking to partner with them, providing community-based support for those impacted by the trauma of war. And her greatest joy is to witness students who wholeheartedly invest their lives as humble learners who seek to be instruments of hope and healing. Yeah, and this morning we're going to have a conversation with her about the area of cultural humility, which is a really broad topic, and but we're going to at least kind of touch on it a little bit today. Yeah, we're so glad you're here, and we hope you enjoy this. Well, this morning on The Innkeepers, as we mentioned, we have the opportunity and privilege to talk to Dr. Karen Fancher, who's on uh, the faculty at Multnomah University. And so, Karen, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Um, let's start, um, just have you introduce yourself a little bit to our listeners and um, who you are and a little bit about your work. Sure. Well, first first of all, I'm delighted to be here. I'm so thankful for the work that you all do with Sanctuary Inn and um, it's, it's a joy to partner together. So I have the privilege of working at Multnomah University and I teach for our global studies program. And we also have a master's in global development and justice studies. And that's where we integrate um, this foundation of biblical justice and international development. And we think, um, how can we engage effectively in our world today to represent the heart of Jesus um, with compassion initiatives, poverty alleviation, Um, looking at issues of injustice, and trying to do so in a way that reflects the heart, the compassion, and the restorative work of the gospel in our world. So um, it's really fun. I get to work with students who serve in a variety of contexts, locally, globally. I'm constantly learning from them as I'm involved in this as well. Um, And so for my role in that program, I have a background in um, counseling, in biblical studies and intercultural studies. And these all kind of weave together as I think about um, this this arena of global development. So we also have a peace building emphasis, which we're learning about how to be people of peace in this world. And I think that ties into this concept of cultural humility as well. 
So I teach classes like conflict, refugees and complex disasters, peace building and transformational justice and trauma in the humanitarian context. So weaving those pieces together, which is an absolute privilege and joy for me. And I, I continue to learn in the process. Wow. Thank you so much. So glad that we get to have this conversation with you today. Yeah. Um, so we're going to focus our conversation on cultural humility because that that's a huge topic and necessary for anyone who does cross-cultural work. Can you yeah. define that for us a little bit? Yeah, so I pulled up a couple definitions that are used very broadly, and then I'll kind of give my own. And for me, I feel like this is um, kind of a core of our disposition as we seek to engage in the world as followers of Jesus. I think this is so central to um, preparing us to actually be effective witnesses. So in a very secular sense, um, I think it was Melanie Tervalon um, and Jan Marie Garcia, um, they defined it as this lifelong commitment to self-evaluation and critique, um, to, to redressing the power imbalances. And they used it in a physician-patient dynamic, right? But I, I like their words, the self-evaluation, looking at power dynamics, right? To develop mutually beneficial. <laughs> so how are our relationships mutually beneficial in non-paternalistic partnerships? Um, so I think that definition helps us to think about this. How do we define partnerships? How do we define relationships? Um, it's, it's taking us beyond cultural competency, which, which helps us to understand behaviors, attitudes, um, systems, you know, um, ways of engaging in a culture that helps us to be effective. And it looks more at these relational dynamics. Um, it's almost a, more of a spiritual approach to how we engage in culture because it's self-reflective. It's, it's focused on our personal growth as well. So can you help us understand, like, in terms of a biblical perspective, how would you frame cultural humility? Yeah, yeah. So um, when I think biblical, I mean, that's huge, right? Um, because we want to live in a way that reflects the restorative work of God. He's seeking to reestablish um, shalom, right? So first a right relationship with God, where we can be at peace with God um, through the work of Jesus, through understanding who he's made us to be, peace with ourselves, peace with others, and peace with God's good creation. And shalom then, an aspect of that is right relationship with others, which I think comes from our understanding of who we are in Christ, um, who God has made us to be. And so this right relationship, I think, can only come from a stance of deep humility. Um, we don't want to reinforce power balances. We don't want to wound another um, while seeking to do the work of the church in the world. Um, I was just reading an a, a, a article by a man named Ismael Ruiz Milan, and um, he just said, you know, that, that as we emphasize this ongoing learning from our neighbors and constantly examining ourselves, looking to equalize power imbalances, trying to make systems right, um, it can be, be a means of grace, right, to all Christians, that we can, we can be an aspect of an avenue of God's grace in, um, in, in stepping beyond our cultural norms to what are those kingdom principles that guide how we, um, how we interact together. So um, when I think of some scriptures, I think of Philippians 2, right? Mm -hmm. um, if we have any encouragement from being united with Christ, 
yeah. any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, any tenderness and compassion. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and mind. And one in spirit and mind requires us seeking to understand the other, to partner in ways that create that unity, right? Nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Um, valuing others above ourselves, not looking to our own interests, but to the interests of others. And we often say we do this in ministry, and yet so subtly our, mm. our cultural norms, um, our assumptions can start to distort the ways that we engage with one another. So mm. that's one of the foundational um, scriptures. I think there's quite a few others that really say um, the heart of Jesus. And I'm speaking very broadly about cultural humility today, but um, you know, living a life worthy of the calling we have in Ephesians 4, 4, being completely humble and gentle, patient, mm -hmm. um, every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And if I'm going to keep the unity of the spirit, it means that I have to say, Lord, where are my blind spots? Where have I missed understanding um, what this, the life of this person seeks to teach me about walking with you? Where have I um, imposed my way of being on another that's not founded in scripture, right? So all of this, um, I think, and then of course, <laughs> Matthew 7, 5, take the plank out of my own eye, right? Um, first, I need to look and say, where, where, Lord, have I made an assumption before I critique the culture or make assumptions about the other? So for me, cultural humility, although used very much in, in um, secular terms and, and very, very broadly, um, and I think has really spoken in, in very important ways into our current context, I think actually should first be uh, a disposition within the church. And I think, I think we own that, and that's an ethos of who Christ has called us to be. Okay. Um, so briefly, if you could just <clears throat> kind of a, a small illustration, if someone entered into a, a scenario where they're entering in in a attitude of humility as opposed to entering in with an attitude of, I guess, opposite of humility, pride, or I know what's happening here, I know how to do it. Um, it maybe that's maybe we should start by and defining the antithesis of cult, uh, cultural humility. Anyway, just kind of maybe as there's an illustration or an idea there. Yeah, um, well, if you wanna start with the antithesis, um, and this has been, this is a journey we're all on. I think if we think, oh, now I have cultural humility down because we're learning about cultural assumptions that we didn't even know we had. I think right. that this current context has brought that to light very much as well. Um, but I have, a, I have a dear friend, Michael Baidriaki, and he said, he said, Karen, this is a wound in the body of Christ mm. when we relate to one another that diminish the dignity of others and we don't even realize it or our, our mutuality or our inter interdependence. So if I was gonna just give some examples of when we might miss this, um, sometimes just the way we even talk about our missional engagement where, um, where we can speak of the other only in terms of their needs, right? So, you know, I went to this community and um, there was poverty and people were struggling and da da da. But we did, you know, we elevate the work that we've done and not realize the faithful perseverance or the the, the strengths within that community that. Um, and, and the partnership and what we can also learn from the people within that community. So he, he gave an example once he came and spoke in a class that I had, and he wrote a prayer letter 
um, as a joke back to people in, let's say Uganda, his home country about, you know, um, all of the people here only eat junk food and they're struggling with health and, and they don't know how to exercise and we need to bring health to America, you know, and kind of these big assumptions that we yeah. make that we're going to bring. And so first of all, just starting by the ways that we even think about our engagement or speak of our partners, our brothers and sisters. Um, so I think that we have, and we have to want to come and do something rather than to be with. And so in, in so many ways, the, the antithesis of cultural humility is assuming that we have training or money or, and so we, we have the answers and we can come and do. And in the development world, this has been a really grievous history where we've come thinking that our expertise, our training, um, overrides people's understanding of their context, of the gifts within their context, of their priorities and needs, and, and bringing people to the table in this mutuality and, and, and partnership and service. So we, we do this in so many ways, um, the antithesis. Um, and, and even just thinking like how that speaks when we come in, I'm telling you how to, you know, how to live in your community rather than let's seek wisdom together. So um, that's the an antithesis. And okay. do you want me to jump into good examples yeah. or? Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. If you have... Yeah. Um, I, I think when we think about engaging with cultural humility, it's remembering I'm not going to do a work. God is doing a work. He's doing a work in me. He's doing a work in this context. He's invited me to join in that work, right? It's, it's this awareness of the missio day that God has gone before, that all of this work is his. And then I seek how I can partner. Um, and so um, in that, I think some, some beautiful examples might be, well, here, I'll give a little one and then I'll give maybe some, um, some others. I'll, I'll, I'll share one that where I was humbled, right? Cultural humility that God taught me where recently I was on a trip to the Middle East a couple of years ago and we happened to be there during Ramadan. And, um, and we had a, a Muslim guide who was taking us around and he fasted all day, hmm. but he would stop to make sure that we had food and water. And, um, and he said, oh, no, no, I wouldn't expect of you, you know, to have our practices. I want you to be well. I am, I am your host. I'm inviting you into our context. And he had this discipline and grace and this invitational stance. And then when they broke the fast, his wife met our bus and brought us um, this special juice that she had made. I think it was mango juice to break the fast together and to celebrate and wanted to invite us into their um into their celebration. And I thought, oh Lord, like when do I lose that reverence or discipline to seek you? What can I learn from someone who actually is not a follower of Jesus, but can remind me? Um, I can look at their, their cultural practices and, and remember awe and reverence, or do I invite people into my spiritual celebrations that might be from outside? Do I, how invitational am I? What am I learning about the gift of hospitality as I enter into this culture? And so that was one where I was reminded of my cultural humility to, to watch and to learn and to see where my American individualism or my, um, or my assumptions might, might hinder me from learning. Um, as we think about people who are involved in in ministry, I think 
Um, this is kind of a maybe a broader stretch as we think about um, cultural humility, but some people that I really appreciate are um, a team called Heart for Lebanon that works in Lebanon and they work with refugees, Syrian refugees. And the way that they define their ministry is they say, you know, there's there's transactional ministry where you give them food packets and you give them hygiene packets and you, you care for their refugees. And he said, we go beyond that. We go beyond transactional. Um, the next step is relational where you want to know people and you you pray for them and you hear their stories. And he said, we want, we'll serve less people but we want to know every person. But he said, then we go beyond that and we go to integrational ministry. And integrational ministry, I think, is another example of cultural humi humility. And he said, integrational ministry is where I realize that this person is a part of my life and I'm a part of their life. And it's not just that we go and do this work and leave, but now we will find opportunities to worship together or you know to to experience life together that um and we're we're seeing how our our lives inform one another and i think this idea of integrational ministry even within the refugee context reflects a sense of of cultural humility that i'm i'm learning from you i'm enjoying life from you i'm not just doing projects or tasks or um or even assuming that i know what you need and and we could take that in many different directions but um to me that that was just such a beautiful mm -hmm. example of um of, of stepping into the life of the other and inviting them into your life and saying the only way that we are going to flourish is is together um, when your flourishing is my flourishing this mutuality um, and in, in Lebanon there had been war right between Syria and Lebanon many times yeah. but seeing this seeing this individual learning their story and then wanting to to see this integrational model so that's a little bit from more of a development context but I think um, just reminds us of stepping beyond and especially in our American achievement context of what we seek to accomplish Mm -hmm. to how we walk with one another and and that's a constant learning process um so that's that's one example um we might have more as we as we talk together so yeah, yeah. you know as i'm listening to you i just really feel like the core concept here of cultural humility is this attitude of i'm willing to learn from you yes. not just bring bring what i have but just i think so often those of us from a Western context come with this, I have something to bring. Yes. But mm -hmm. forget to say, I have something to learn from you. Yeah. And that's that, that God is working beyond, beyond he's working in all contexts and, and in all cultures. And we were looking for kingdom principles in the culture in which I'm serving in my culture and culture, by the way, there's individual cultures, right? There's community cultures. There's, we're not just making broad assumptions about um, national cultural norms, but we're really seeking in this relational dynamic to learn together. And um, I, I think with good intentions, and I've been a part of this, we have sought to learn what we can bring. And there are pieces of the puzzle that God has asked us to bring, right? We are, we are, we are, unapologetic that we want to share the love and the truth of the gospel that we and we want to but we also want to represent it well in the ways that we engage with one another and to realize that although we we have um we have that which god has um 
taught us and that in which he invites us to walk with others in, we also continue to have much to learn. And even as we think about cultural competency, we understand that, um, that we might be, you know, we might have a culture that is more achievement oriented. So we say, if I've gone through this training program, I have something to bring. We're in another culture where it might have more um, status or respect for the elders and experience. And we could easily override that or not listen or, or make assumptions that what I have to teach from my limited cultural experience, even though I've had good training, might have deficits, right? <laughs> might yeah. and might not transcend the realities of the people that I'm working with. I know that I've been invited at times to, um, to teach um, seminars on um, understanding the impact of trauma and trauma healing in other contexts. And it's been one of the most humbling processes that I've ever undertaken and I'm still learning. And, and when I go into a context, I can't go in and tell people, you know, this is what you've experienced, but more, here are some ways that these types of experiences can impact us. Tell me about your experience. What, what has helped you? What's, what's within your context? How have you understood God rather than me telling them? And then we can dialogue and seek wisdom together. And um, it's not me coming as the expert to tell you, but me coming with the pieces that God has given me to now understand what he's also been teaching you and how we can seek discernment and wisdom and um, and realizing that I have blind spots as well. Um, and I think we, we also think when we have resources that we are the resource and, and rather than realizing some of my material resources can be helpful, but they might also miss valuing the resources right within the context in which I'm serving. So this can go many directions, but absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you've kind of touched on this, but um, just a little bit more, if someone steps into a situation and really isn't willing to embrace an attitude of cultural humility, what, let's just talk about some of the things that can go bad or the, you know, the, the danger of stepping into a situation like that with bringing, like you said, bringing resources, bringing answers, and here I am, I'm the solution. I'm the answer to what you need or something. Yeah, um, well, on a very simple level, we can go in and complete a project, but we leave and people feel there, there's been no, there's been no enduring relationship in the body of Christ, mm -hmm. that sense of our love and our need and our mutuality. And so we've actually distorted some of the very um, nature of the body of Christ by coming in with authority and resources and telling people what they need to do. Um, so first of all, is this a redemptive dynamic? Is this, a, is, this a, is this the beauty of us coming together as the body or is it someone taking authority over another within their context? So that's where Michael says this deep wound in the body of Christ. Um, and so I think first of all, just, just there's that relational wounding but we can also, you know, we, we have all of these examples. Again, I'll go back to the development context. We could go to many ministry contexts where, you know, you, you bring in, you tell people, oh, you need a water project and we do this water project in a way that's not sustainable within the context, or we bring in economic resources that then override the local businesses that can't compete with our free <laughs> grain or our free, um, yeah. 
medicines. And so all of a sudden we've, we've destroyed their businesses and then we leave and we haven't trained up or said, what's, what's right here within your context. Um, when we go into disaster situations, sometimes the local NGOs, which were already working, and then we come in from the outside and we take over and rather than strengthening them, we do our work and we leave, right? Those are, but I think those parallels in development happen in the same ways in missiology. We, we can come in and, and teach or train and then leave rather than walking with the partners that are already doing that work in the context, strengthening one another, learning from one another. So we can override local resources. We can undermine local leadership. Um, and again, we can distort relationships within the body of Christ. We can continue to play into systems of inequity. Um, so there's at many, many levels, there's wounding. Um, I, I think one story that I think of sometimes it just, you know, we all look back and there's things that grieve us mm. was I was in the country of um, South Sudan. I'd been attending a, a training with a, um, a group of um, people we were doing pastoral training. I was talking a bit on trauma and, um, and the, you know, this was, there was, we were in a very, there was the impact of war. There was a shortage of food. People had traveled far and they killed a goat and they served us as their guests, goat meat. And I started to become aware that all of these participants that had come were eating ugali. They were eating, you know, uh, um, a very simple meal. They probably needed protein, probably hadn't had it for quite some time. And I'm eating goat meat uncomfortable I was the foreigner being treated special and these are my brothers in Christ and he said Karen what if what if you in humility said oh I really want my brother or sister to have that what if you challenged the cultural norms some of this which has been influenced yes by a culture of hospitality some by colonial expectations some by assumptions he said what if what if you just came in and said oh thank you thank you so much but I would really love for for my brothers to have this and you know, I'll have a taste or what if, what if I didn't play into some of the norms that elevate the visitor and, um, and, and you have to do that with wisdom and you have to ask, you know, people for insights um, or we were served another time we were served liver and that's not something that some of the highest iron resources. So one of the most prized and it was actually hard for me to eat and a couple of the people that I was with, you know, were kind of, you know, not thinking through this terms of cultural really kind of making some comments and, um, and I, and even though the people with us didn't understand, they could sense that there were comments being made, right? And here was their most gracious offering. And inside of my stomach, again, I felt sick. Like I wanted them to know we deeply appreciate it. Um, and so how do I navigate this one appreciation for the sacrifice of the other, not play into inequities, um, really foster this partnership and this mutuality. And that's a journey. But to me, those are examples of where I, I really want to now seek out that cultural humility when I come and engage. Um, and these aren't, these are some of these are long entrenched practices. So thinking about what that looks like, I think is going to be um, a journey where we can actually trust one another and think through that together. Yeah, and it takes an awareness. It takes you stopping to think and ex examine, not just I'm going to eat this because it was given to me. You have to think through, okay, so what, 
what's going on around me? What's this, what's this communicating that's deeper than just on the surface of a meal? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of just that kind of being willing to examine everything. And it can be exhausting if you're yes. in a culture having to kind of examine everything and, and try to understand, am I being respectful here? Am I paying attention? And sometimes you just want to be. So I think that's often the challenge in cultural humility is that you have to kind of be on right, a, a lot in mm-hmm. order to be able to function well and with respect until you gain more and more of the culture yourself. Um, it yes. can be a pretty exhausting process. Yeah, it's a constant self-reflective process, not self-absorbed, <laughs> but a constant self-reflective process. Who am I in this moment? And maybe at that moment, you know, that was a very gracious gift. Maybe it was okay to receive, but then to talk with them. How can I honor you? I want to make sure that people are fed well. Maybe it's saying, no, no, I want them to have it. But it's not about the practice. It's about the attitude, the engagement, and then walking through that together. But I agree, it's exhausting. And we can come back and beat ourselves up. And I think that what we have to do is say, no, Lord, continue to teach me, right? Because we all have blind spots. And it's it's that awareness that we have blind spots that's our starting point. Um, and we can have fear of engagement. We can be have a self-critique or be paralyzed. And none of that is healthy. It's, it's this humble engagement, continuing to seek to learn and, and asking God, like, what, how are you reflected today in this relationship? And how are you shaping me rather than how am I going into shape others? You know, that, um, yeah, that stands. And I think, you know, I think of the long-term missionary who goes and really has this attitude of cultural humility and is willing to learn and engage and become friends and become a part of the culture. And, and the culture becomes a part of them yeah. and it, 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 you, you become transformed and yeah. it can be a beautiful thing. And then in fact, what happens is then you come back to your own home culture and then you see the things that you didn't see before mm-hmm. and the blind spots and the, that you, that you had, you didn't know you had. It's you- so true. And then we become critical of our own culture, sometimes in healthy ways, but then how do I now engage redemptively here? You know, how do I? um, And so, yes, it's so true. And that's where it can be exhausting because the back and forth, I think that's a really key point. But yeah, now I'm really grieved by our hyper-individualism, our high materialism. You know, I come back and I look and I live in this culture, but saying, oh, Lord, like we've, and this is part of our church. This is part of our spiritual practice. Teach us. Um, And that's the beauty of crossing cultures as well. That's the gift. Yeah. 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 And and sadly, we can come back with an attitude. We can be proud about how humble I was in that other culture, you know? And it's like, oh, and if you people only knew. And yeah, so it's part of, I think, um, definitely the life cycle of a missionary is learning that, yes, there are things that you see and you notice and your eyes become open. Sometimes you just have to be quiet and just move forward and just trust that God will give you opportunity to speak when it's important and when it's necessary. I think that's really well stated. Yes, yes. Um, You were talking about, we kind of, you sort of touched on the area of spiritual disciplines a little bit, and and I know that that's part of your uh, teaching program, but can you talk about cultural humility and spiritual disciplines? Is there something that's helped you um, 
you feel like has developed more helps you as you seek to be uh, more at home in other cultures? Are there spiritual practices that have played into that? Yeah, thank you so much. I really love that question because I actually think we 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 embed a spiritual formation course in our program, and um and and that is for that purpose. Like I think cultural humility one points to our dependence upon God, right? Lord, I don't know how to navigate this. I have blind spots. You're working beyond. Show me where you're working to teach me. Show me how I can join in where you're working here. So the humility starts before God, right? And then he teaches us to walk humbly with one another. And you're right, humility can turn into pride so easily that, so that's where um, one of the practices that I love is the daily examine, where, where um, it's just a very simple practice where at the end of each day, um, we first are reminded of our dependence upon God. We, we come in in silence and we ask God to prepare our hearts. And then um, there's several ways to do it, but basically, um, it's a reflection upon the day and say, Lord, where did I resist the work of your spirit? Forgive me, Lord, where did I join in your spirit? Thank you for what you're teaching me. How are you asking me to walk tomorrow? It's that, it's that reflective prayer that helps us to live this reflective life and, and knowing his grace where I've erred, you know, allowing God to forgive and to teach. And as I think about then, how do I walk tomorrow? Are there things, are there places where I need to ask forgiveness or where I need to seek to be restorative? But it's this, it's this daily examine that invites me to do this reflection before God, because I think when we're doing it on our own, um, we, we can easily deceive ourselves, right? With our, um, here's where I'm doing well, but just humbling ourselves again, seeking discernment. Um, I think also, I always say that in our spiritual disciplines that we need both um, the disciplines of solitude where we're listening to God, and then we also need the disciplines of engagement, and, and that's where others can walk with us and speak mm -hmm. into our lives where we share that worship experience because we need the strength of the body. And so when I think of cultural humility, I think, um, where, who is a trusted guide in my life? that can help me to process, that can speak into my life. And if you're in a cross-cultural context, someone from that other culture that can help me to build awareness, that can even just, not only in self-reflection, but talk about how God is working in their life and help me to consider from new um, lenses how, how God is working more broadly. Um, the ways that I pray for others, I think also can shape my my cultural humility. So one, asking God to teach me, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Asking first, first looking at where is my offense and then um, seeking to walk with others. But um, I, so I would say that that constant dependence is integral to spiritual disciplines. Um, and I think that imitation of the life of Christ, so that discipline of um, help me to understand your character, Lord Jesus, as I engage in this context. Um, so again, I think the disciplines of solitude, the disciplines of engagement, where I have someone that I can seek with that can speak into my life are absolutely critical. Yeah. So we touched on this a little bit earlier. But what are some more kind of the subtle ways that we don't, that we miss that the cultural humility piece? Um, and I think, I think there's so many. And I think if we're honest that um, 
this is a this is a daily practice. So I was I was talking with a friend who is from Uganda, and he was talking about how um, how as an American we can come and assume authority, right? Like I have training, I have. But he also said, and sometimes as Ugandans we automatically give that authority, right? Um, come speak, and he said, and we all need to realize that um we're we need to seek together like where god is working and 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 how he wants to work in this context and in this um situation so i i think that we often just jump into roles hmm. and and we don't really ask like what would be helpful here and um one one friend of mine always says if i'm ever asked to teach i teach with someone from that context as well in partnership um as much as that is possible i think that's a fantastic practice um but i think the simple ways are again our words like i am going to you know um is you know god is sending me well he he's inviting me he's at work but i think even the ways that we talk sometimes assume um, my role above another rather than a partnership with the other. Um, so I, I think that's huge that just, just watching our words of how we talk about the ways that we're engaging in another context. Um, boy, I'm trying to, trying to think now there's, there's just so many, um, yeah, um, giving things, um, even the ways that we, um, subtle things, the ways that we carry ourselves or impose our assumptions. I remember that um, I would, this is, this is a, seems very, very trite, but I think it's very, very grievous. And this is cultural awareness, but I would also take it to cultural humility. And that was, I was with someone who was in another culture and they kind of giggled that all the colors didn't match, you know, like in their clothing. And I was like, oh my word, like, that's beautiful. Like that's, like the vibrant color, they don't, patterns don't need to match. This is a cultural expression. Um, and this is, but, but those just the subtle judgments that we make all the time um, that hinder us from really being um, full, just, just that, just that humble partner and friend. And we're, and we're carrying those within us all the time. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think there's those little things. There's the ways that we talk, um, that we don't start with questions. Yeah. Tell me how God's been working. Tell me what you need. Tell me how I can serve you. Yeah. How can I partner with you? What is helpful? And when we're forming partnerships, I think really having honest, careful conversations, um, about, what is helpful and what is needed from sometimes from both sides like i might have to have careful accountability of finances but i don't want to micromanage or make assumptions about the other how do we how do we navigate that together how do we think about that um i, I think money is a place where we tie it to power yeah. and authority and that can be very distorting as well so this um this this humility of you know what are what are your needs how can we help how would this be helpful here's what i can do even explaining sometimes um like here's the limitations of what i can do and here's why so that we're not having we're making assumptions upon one another and then there's deep wounding within the body of christ as well again money there's books written about <laughs> how yeah. to handle that but i think there's a real humility that comes with 
um, I don't have authority because I brought resources. Right. I'm coming to seek wisdom together in how we can engage in ways that are honoring, sustainable, and in which we can partner together. Yeah. So yeah. that's big, but I just, just touched on it. I hope that's helpful. Yeah, yeah. No, I just, the overarching theme is just being a learner of yeah. the other person's culture and um, belief systems and uh, values and just being willing to to go by what they need, not by what uh, the assumptions that we have. Yes. And I think that will go a long ways in making a difference. And I love that you're just encouraging us to be examining ourselves and being very, takes a, that discipline of self-awareness and not just kind of moving forward um, without thinking really. Mm -hmm. And, and being challenged to think about things that we've maybe never had to think about before. Right. Yeah. Right. Which probably is like a muscle that needs to get strengthened, you yeah. know, because absolutely, absolutely. We're not even aware of what we don't know. And that's, I think, a lot about cultural adaptation and being in other cultures. I often talk about cross cultural experiences like you're a fish out of water. You don't know you're out of water, that you're not in your own culture until you're out of it. Yes. Yes. Oh, it lives in water right. until it's in the air, right? Right. <laughs> and, uh, for us, we don't really even see our own culture until we're out of it. So right. that then gives us the opportunity to really learn. Yeah. 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 So um, we've kind of talked in a cross-cultural setting here, um, you know, thinking overseas and so on. But um, just kind of briefly, so much of America, I mean, America is very multi-ethnic now. Our churches are becoming more multi-ethnic. And refugees uh, are coming. Refugees are coming and so on. So we have the opportunity even, I'm, we should have this opportunity even in our local church to practice cultural humility. So can you just talk just briefly about the local church setting and how the church can be welcoming and receptive to people um, and not set up barriers and blockades for people, you know, when they come in the front door? Yeah, well, I think I think one is to realize that if you are in, if you're part of the predominant cultural group, that we just assume that people are going to want to assimilate, and that they'll want to come and, you know, worship the way that we worship, rather than what is this you? What's the unique aspects of prayer or worship that this person might bring? What can we learn? Mm -hmm. um, how do we, what is this, again, this mutuality? Um, and that's really, really hard. <laughs> um, but I think, and elevating voices and experiences and valuing them rather than um, come in and be a part of us in a cultural expression of our faith rather than, um, that, that real intentionality of, um, tell me how you've experienced God. Would you, would you share some aspect of worship? What is it like for you to be in church? How can we, um, what, what, what practices have been helpful for you? Um, I, I think all of those things and even bringing voices to the front that are diverse voices within the church um, are huge. And I think something that we're learning and even learning how to have um, multicultural churches, but I think also to understand narrative. I've really been thinking a lot about narrative and cultural humility is part of understanding both 
my historical context and the narratives that I've assumed and to realize that my experience and my narrative is part of what has is part of a reality, right? And it may be incomplete, it may be distorted, or it may be, um, yeah. And, and so I wanna hear the narrative and the experience of the other. So I'll, I'll go to back to the intercultural and then I'll come back to within the United States. And I think, um, so cultural humility, what, what I, I had a chance to go to a peace building um, conference in, um, Sarajevo. And, you know, I always think, um, well, you know, the, the, the Christians, the church are seen as the people of compassion and healing. And, um, and, and I realized that there were grievous histories of political alliances where crosses were used by people who are committing atrocities, right? And it was a very, it was a distortion of faith and politics and, but, but realizing, oh, the perception that I think I'm bringing may not be their historical narrative or perception. Um, the, the assumptions that I make might be way too simplistic. I may not understand their journey or their narrative. And I think when people come into our context, um, the same thing. Um, what what has been their experience with with the church or their experience of American culture, where we think it's all positive and we'll welcome you in? Where where have there been there been wounds? And am I humble and seeking to listen and to understand that? You know, in, in our current um, context where there's been a lot of um, racial tension and aware of wounding, where has that wounding happened in the church? You know, are we wanting to ask those questions. Um, where, what, what has your experience been? Um, and that's my cultural humility to realize I've had blind spots. I, I remember living um, overseas and being asked about racism in the United States and saying, oh, well, I know, like it was <laughs> really bad in the 60s or really bad in certain, and not realizing now as I hear the narratives of some dear friends of mine who have um, really experienced wounds or assumptions that people made about them or marginalization, um, whether they are a cultural group within the United States, as well as, as you said, refugees are people who come from the outside. Um, and so I think that we need to really listen to the experiences of the other. And, um, and in, in this very divided society, we have my cultural humility to not make an assumption about a person, even within my cultural group that may have, you know, um, may have a different political affiliation or whatever to, to take the log out of my eye and say, what does that mean to you? Tell me how you came to that conclusion. Help me to understand. Um, how do I walk with, rather than, you know, putting up defenses or trying to defend myself, my humility, where, where do I have a blind spot or how, how have I engaged in ways that have made you feel um, out? Or, you know, um, how, how, do I, how do I be an invitational person in your life so that we can have opportunities for God to work in our relationship? So I think cultural humility, even within the church, within our context, is actually crucial for witness to take place in the United States because there's so many walls and barriers and mistrust. Um, so I, I think God is speaking to all of us now. Um, and I think narrative is a good place to start. So what would you say are some good resources or books or, or uh, materials that are available out there on this topic? You know, you asked that and boy, I, 
there, there's so much. I don't know if I have one book to give you. For me, when I talked, when we think about our current context and racial tension, I love Latasha Morrison's Be the Bridge, you know, talking about being a bridge within our own culture and, um, and understanding maybe where my narrative of um, even racial tensions in the United States might be different than someone else's or their experience and, and listening, coming with humility, um, and then seeking to um, partner with to say, how do we restore relationships that are mutual and beneficial and seek God together? So for me, that's a, that's a great one to start with in our current context. Um, and then I, I didn't choose one book because I think that although you can find a lot of resources, some are, some are taking a more secular stance, but they're gonna have some principles on cultural humility. So I actually came back to this discipleship aspect. And I would say that if I'm gonna look at tools and resources, I'm gonna start with, um, with some of those spiritual practices again of um, self-examination, of, of asking God to teach me about what it means to walk what is the humility of Jesus, Philippians 2, teach me about how I engage and listen and enter in, not seeking authority, not seeking um, accomplishment, but seeking redemptive engagement that's invitational and then allows God to, to work in ways that shape me in the, in the more in the character of Jesus and that also help me to learn from the other, but are invitational to the other, that we can come, let us, let us seek wisdom together. So for me, relational dynamics more than precepts are the foundation of cultural humility. So I don't, I don't have a great book to give you. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how I'm approaching the topic and I'm approaching it very broadly. Uh -huh. um, some people are gonna speak about cultural humility in a much more narrow and academic stance. I'm really thinking, I just, I, I, I love, um, I love the quote that I, I think I, I gave to you earlier. Let me see if I can see it. Um, that just talked about the aspect of discipleship is this, this growth in humility and even, even engaging. Um, so if I want justice, not in a worldly term of, you know, I've got to punish someone if they did something wrong, but this just way of living that that fosters mutual flourishing that um that that is seeking health for all right that is not one doesn't have power over the other in a way that that um that hinders someone from living fully in all that god's called them into um then i want to be a means of grace for that mutual flourishing and that calls me to cultural humility it's ultimately a pursuit of of seeking God's work in our lives, right? And yeah. I think it's the ethos of what the church is. I think this is a foundation for our ministry in the world. Yeah. Well, it's obviously a huge subject, yeah. a lot to talk about, and it just touches on so many different areas of life and ministry, whether locally or internationally, um, the impacts are huge. And I, I can think even of times when I've just, and I was thinking about the little, when you were talking about the little comments and when I've been in other situations and when I've maybe commented to myself or to someone next to me about something that was ungracious, you know, and it was probably unheard. No one heard it, but at the same time, it wasn't necessary. And it was just a reflection of what was I was used to, it wasn't a reflection on them. It was just a reflection of, of me not being humble in the context 
mm-hmm. of where I was being taken care of and cared for. And, right. and yet I overlooked that. So. And, and we all do. I think that's, I, I love that you stated that because that's, that's the start of our journey, right? Yeah. Oh Lord, I still do this. And we, we're all living in a cultural system. We've all grown up with experiences and presuppositions, and we're not going to totally step out of those, yeah. but we want to honor one another the best that we can as we learn to gain awareness of where this might be wounding or hindering that mutuality that yeah. God's called us to. Yeah. And, and loving what we can bring to the table, not, not, I think sometimes we think of cultural humility as almost, um, almost a sh- living in shame, you know, and that's not like God has called us, no. he, he's given us, he's given us graces to share with one another, and he's given us joy in relationship, and he doesn't want to paralyze us. It's just being a learner constantly on that journey. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. yeah, it's a both and. I think yeah. you can't um, say that we're learners and we don't have something to bring, but it's a, and we have something to bring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a both and, and I think not placing one above the other yeah. um, and respecting those around us will make a huge difference. Yeah, and and the and the beauty of that process, I understand God more fully as he helps me to see my blind spots and see how he's at work beyond like this is it's so beautiful right as we as we get to slow down and listen to the experiences and sometimes it's painful but it's also such a beautiful redemptive process well karen thank you for your time this morning thank you so much so glad to we got this time together Thank you. We just, we did a flyby and we just barely touched on some points, but I hope it was helpful and I'm I'm so glad we had some time together. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Cara, um, tell me a little bit about what you heard in that conversation. I uh, just really appreciated her uh, just sharing with us the reality that cultural humility um, really kind of plays into everything. Mm. It's not just the cross-cultural context, because we are living in a global cross-cultural context, no matter where we are. Uh Um, And if we're aware that we need to be learners and be humble, and I just think a lot about how Jesus came to earth. And he had every right to bring us something, which he did. Yeah. He brought us salvation, You're which right. is the most amazing thing that anyone has ever had to bring. Um, yet he was humble and didn't um, have an attitude that it was, mm-hmm. he was superior to any of us. Right, right. And she referenced Philippians 2, which is very much addresses the, the humility of Christ. And she did mention at one point she... Actually, a couple different times, she talked about the fact that as we walk humbly with God, it's easier for us to walk more humbly with other people, too. And I think that's one of the key concepts she kept going back to is that when we move and when we go into a context, a cross-cultural situation, that we come as a learner, but we also we we are bringing something and which is fine. But at the same time, we're not the answer, but we're going in with a piece of the puzzle and um, the people where we're going have the experiences and the backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And we need to understand um, where we're going and how our piece fits with the pieces that they have. Yeah. 
And it's just respecting other people around us and not mm-hmm. assuming that we know it all. I think yeah. it's just, uh, we all have encountered people who have come into uh, any kind of setting, ministry setting, mission mm-hmm. setting, where they come with that attitude of of pride yeah. instead of humility. And we can all, yeah. we all know the difference. Right. So I just think it's a really good challenge for us to yeah. be reminded that we can be um, humble and it's hard. It's, and I just want to say that like, yeah. it is hard it's to hard. really do it, to swallow your tongue and, and just yeah. be silent in some situations and be willing to listen when you feel like you have the answers and you know what to do. Yeah. Um, I I've experienced that in some pretty painful ways in my life. And, um, mm. but I think it's in the long run, it makes a huge difference if you are willing to listen and learn. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, certainly it isn't easy because anyway, we we go somewhere sometimes, and and um, we can't discount the training and skills and things that we bring. But at the same time, that way that we bring them is really so important. She mentioned transactional ministry, relational ministry, but then she settled on integrational ministry, where um, her real desire is to be part of the lives of the people where she's going to minister and the interacting with them so that she is humbling herself before them and sharing about her life and listening to their stories so that they are, there's truly that integration between the two cultures. I think it's a lifelong lesson for all of us to grow in cultural humility and whatever your context is, I pray that you would since God's presence with you in this. It's a hard, mm. hard lesson to learn, but I think it, um, the reap rewards of this kind of a lifestyle ministry is just huge. Mm. So I hope this morning, um, the podcast, this uh, podcast on cultural humility will be a blessing to you and thought provoking at the same time. So this is Steve. And this is Kara. See you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Innkeepers podcast. Our mission at Sanctuary Inn is to equip, refresh, and restore God's global workers for kingdom purposes. We hope today's podcast was an encouragement to you, and maybe you were prompted to pass this along to someone you know that will benefit from today's conversation. Creating a podcast is a team effort. Car and I prepare and do the interviews, and we're grateful for the time that our guests give us out of their busy schedules to help us learn more about missionary care. We also want to thank Tim Downing for the music that he wrote and performed specifically for the Innkeepers podcast. Tim is a very talented musician, and you can learn more about him and his work at downingkeys.com. Our podcast is edited by Javier Bolanos and is produced by Tim Cowley of Cowley Visuals. If you have media needs, including film, photography, or audio, you can reach Tim at cowleyvisuals.com. Our website and show notes are prepared by Micah Gibbons, Cara's amazing husband. You can visit the Sanctuary Inn website and learn more about the ministry of Sanctuary Inn at sanctuaryinn.org. Thank you again for joining us on our journey to learn more about missionary care. See you next time.